Welcome to The Journey with Senior Pastor Marty Grebs of Crossings Community Church, a podcast where he explores God's extraordinary work in everyday people. Uh, Mark, you have been um, quite an amazing leader in this community. And um, I remember when we had an opportunity to meet with you about coming on the church staff. And I thought, I don't know how we'll ever get him, but let's, let's go after him hard, you know, because um, you have, we knew you would bring so much to the table. And certainly uh, it's even beyond our wildest imagination what you have done for our church. So I'd, I'd, love, for, I'd love to hear your story. I, um, I, I think I know your um, business and adult life a little bit, but mm-hmm. I don't know if we just want to start at the beginning and talk about your journey of how did you ever find your way to Christ? And where did this serving mentality in you, where'd that come from? Now, it may just be in you, but Mm -hmm. somebody may have modeled this or taught this. Somewhere you got the idea that serving others and helping people was important to you. Where'd that all start? Yeah. Well, I have to admit to you, uh, I wasn't born with it because, you know, as a child and also as an older youth, I was uh, pretty much absorbed with myself. And uh, it's, it's, so it's pretty amazing how uh, God has worked. But I was about me. Uh, I was about, I was, I would call myself relatively selfish as I was growing up. I grew up in a, a large family and, um, you know, I was just about, okay, what do I want? And I was about, what do, what do I want to do? And uh, I was just trekking along, uh, doing what I wanted to do, and uh, focusing on where I wanted to go. And I grew up in a, a, a location, a neighborhood that was fairly rough. Mm. Uh, one of the amazing things, and I, I, I don't know what kind of impact that had on me, but uh, one of the things that was kind of an indica- indication of the neighborhood I lived in. So we had a lot of uh, alcohol use. Abuse, really, and you could see that right there out there in the neighborhood. And um, uh, one of the major things that happened is we had this family across the street from us who, from our assessment, must have had you know some mental issues because of multiple people in the family. Um, they had a murder over across the street, right across the street from us. So one of the older son murdered someone in their house, and um, the dad of the family actually hung himself. So he was behind his house. He hung himself behind his house. So we had that kind of thing going on, you know. How old were you when all that happened? Oh, I must have been at that time, uh, I don't remember the exact year, but I must have been somewhere in between 8 and 11. Uh, because So it didn't really make sense to me, uh, but I remember them coming to get him, and uh, I remember uh, him them saying that he was hanging, you know, behind his house, and he had hung himself on this little. That, that, that's quite a lot. That, that's quite a lot to uh, process. Yeah, when you're that age, it, it's just, I just didn't understand. I'm like, really, wow. And so, and and the good thing about it is, um, um, I had a friend in the family. There was a, a son who was about my age, and we would spend time together because we were right across the street. I lived right beside an elementary school, Mm. and an elementary school, that elementary school had a basketball court, concrete basketball court. Our house butted up to to its property line. So I'd come out my door, look to the right, and there's this basketball court. So that was a place for us when I was growing up that, 
people congregated. Mm -hmm. And that's why I saw, you know, people would be there at what they called the park, uh, drinking and things of that nature. But there was some positive there, too, that really helped me as a young child, but also as I grew older. That basketball court was an outlet for me. Uh, so I played basketball. When I say I was self-absorbed, a lot of my time was spent out there on that basketball court. It didn't matter how hot it was or how cold it was. Uh, if anybody was willing to come out there and play a game, I was out there with them. And if anybody didn't come out, I'm out there shooting the basketball. So that was, that was really my outlet. Um, but again, it's what I wanted to do. Uh, so when I think about it, you asked the question about how I got to where I am now. Um, it was Christ. Uh, so when I look at it, I, 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 I poured myself into basketball. Initially, I was playing basketball for fun. But then, as I got into my junior high year, I began to realize this basketball could go somewhere. Because I saw my older brother, uh, I saw him playing and being very successful in high school as a basketball player. And then he eventually gets uh, a scholarship. And so he goes to school, paid, uh, to get his education. So when I got in my junior high year and then going into the, my senior high, I began to look at that and say, hmm, maybe this basketball can turn into something. So I began to have these dreams of being Walt Frazier. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Next Walt Frazier. And so uh, I said, I, so I'm going to polish my game. So to make a long story short, I, uh, in my junior high year, we had started busing. Uh, it seemed like a, uh, a shoe-in that I would be on the junior high team if we didn't have busing. But we started busing, which was more um, players that came into a school. And so I didn't make the team in the junior high because the coach said, and everyone's telling me, oh, man, you're a shoe-in. But everyone's telling me, you know, you're going you're gonna to be there. But the coach, you know, said, you're just not tall enough. So I didn't have the height. I, and, and I was a guard, and so I didn't make it. So that... that I was disappointed. Oh, yeah. But I did something pretty interesting, though. I watched my brother, because he's good. Uh, but then I went to uh, study how to be a better basketball player. I knew this is odd. I'm an egghead. So even though I'm self-absorbed, I'm an egghead. I was like, okay, what do I need to do to get better? So I, I went to the library, checked out books, figured out how to improve my shot, figured out how to be a better defensive player. And uh, it ended up working really well for me to the extent that when I went to high school, not making the junior high team, when I went to high school, I made the varsity team in the ninth grade. <laughs> so I was like, I couldn't make the junior high, but I can make the varsity as a ninth grader. <laughs> That's amazing. That's remarkable. Well, but God just blessed. He really did bless. I didn't realize but he was blessing me. But you were after it. I mean, I that's, a, that's a sure sign that to anybody listening to this, yeah. that if you want to accomplish something, you've got to apply yourself and work hard. And you did. Uh -huh. And you made the team. I made the team, and so it was, it was pretty amazing. I didn't play a lot as a ninth grader, but uh, I was on the team, and, and that just wasn't much heard of back mm -hmm. then, to be a ninth grader on the varsity. Sure. So I continued to develop, and in my 11th grade year, uh, I, I ended up being really, really good. And this is not my assessment. My coach, the varsity coach, told me when we were scrimmaging, so we're about to start our season, 11th grade year, I'd become the starting guard. And not just the starting guard, but I became what he called the starting shooting guard. So we had a guard that handled the ball, but I was the shooter. 
And that, that was tied back to me learning. I changed my shot. I did it a skill. So I didn't have a gift like some people had a gift, but I developed a skill thanks to the Lord. And uh, so it's to the extent that I became the person they wanted to get the ball to. And, I was, and I'm being as humble as I can, but it was a very no, accurate like shot. It, is. it was, mean, my shot was really accurate uh, to the extent the players, you know, who, who uh, were playing with me, they wanted to get me the ball. Uh, and when I, when I would get the ball, you know, oftentimes they'd not even go in for the rebound. It was a really accurate shot. And the coach would tell the other upcoming players, I didn't know this until after the fact, he said, uh, the other guards, younger guards, uh, they told me the coach was telling them, watch him, watch his shot, watch his form, and, and follow it. So, and then the coach told me, he said, here's what I, I want you to know something. You're going to be the surprise of the league uh, in this year. You're going to surprise the league. And he said, I'm telling you, hands down, you're going to get multiple scholarship offers. So I was excited. I was really excited that year. But, you know, Bernie, to go back to your uh, question you asked me about how Jesus come into this equation, even though... For me, it was what I wanted to do. I was getting uh, where I wanted to go from my perspective. I was having success at it. There was something missing. I didn't know what it was at the time. I'm young. You know, at this point, I'm 16 years old. And so it's like, you know, I, 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 I attend church. I came up in a Christian home and saw a good example. Um, but I, I'm not there. I mean, there's just something missing. So I remember uh, one Sunday night, it was be just before our season started, I'm, I, I was really compelled um, and, and overwhelmed, and I, I, I knelt down and just prayed. I was just praying that night. I don't know what came over me. I'm just praying, Marty. <laughs> and and um, all of a sudden, it, come, it came out of me, and I didn't plan it. It came out of me. I remember this prayer vividly. Uh, I said, Lord, I want you to take anything out of my life anything out of my life that would keep me from fulfilling your purpose and plan for me. That's a serious prayer. Yeah, I didn't realize. Now, I'm admitting, I'm not, I didn't realize how serious that prayer was. I'm 16 years old, so my wisdom hadn't developed yet. <laughs> not, there was something in there. <laughs> yeah, so I, I prayed that prayer. And that, that following week, that, that, that not following, that week, that week. Now, so not the week after, but that week, um, I had this, really rare freak injury. So the coach would let us come in. He let the varsity players come in before school started, and he'd let us shoot around. And so we were horsing around, going up the dunk, you know, and things of that nature. Some could dunk, some couldn't, but we were all in line, next person, next person to dunk. And so I get, uh, I have my chance. When I go up, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna dunk this ball. I could palm it at the time, because my hands are pretty large. And, um, and the doctor told me, because when I say doctor, you know, it didn't end well. The doctor told me later that uh, what happened was my, my bone pulled apart when I jumped up. That's what made it rare. It, it, it didn't break on the fall. It broke on the way up, he told me. So I had major surgery. Uh, it ended my basketball career uh, because my parents said, we're not going to let that risk that happening again. And it's because mm -hmm. can, it can be even worse. And so at that point, I was devastated. All of my hopes... All of my dreams at that time was wrapped up in basketball, becoming the best basketball player I can, going to college, and possibly even going to the NBA if that, if, if, if that would materialize. So I was very, very disappointed. Thankfully, 
that Sunday night when I said, Lord, I want you to take anything out of my life that would keep me from fulfilling your purpose and plan for, for me. Uh, that was the night that I gave my life to Jesus. That's when I said, I don't want to do it my way. I really want to do it your way. So I reflected back to that night, mm. and I realized, you know, God loves me. Because what caused me to make that confession and put my faith in, in, in God that way is because I had been reading my Bible, and I got a nice view of who Jesus was and who God was. And, I, wow. and so I realized God loved me. And even though basketball was not going to be in my future, from, you know, playing competitively, that uh, God loved me and he had a purpose and he had a plan for my life. So I began to seek him uh, as his follower. And so I gave my life to Christ when I was uh, fully, when I was 16, said, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow your plan for my life. And so at that point, uh, I surrendered to him. And uh, thankfully, when that, when that injury happened, I had already surrendered to him. Mm. So I just fell back on that and let him have his way. You're 16, mm -hmm. basketball's over. Mm -hmm. You've surrendered to Christ. Mm -hmm. um, what was next? When did you begin to see that there was something else and what, what, what would it be? Oh, yes, yes. I didn't really see it. Okay. I, I, so I don't know that I even see it now. So my life following Jesus has been a life of surrender. And what I found out is in surrendering to him, uh, I've been surprised time and time again. I will acknowledge to you that much of what has happened in my life hasn't been something that I said, I'm going to go out and do this. That's my goal. I'm going to set my sight on that and go achieve it. It's really been, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? It's really praying for peace uh, for the next step that I needed to take, knowing that I have to put my faith in him. I want to put my faith in him and just believing, you know, that God's going to take care of me. So I can't tell you I, most of what has happened in my life. I didn't see it. One of the things I do realize, though, when I look back, hindsight, I have. I'm able to connect things as to why God took me that route put me in that position, had me in a particular role, uh, I look back and say, oh, that's why you did that. Oh, that's why I had to learn that. Oh, that's why I had to develop in that area. Because with where I am now, I can see God put me in those situations and developed me in those areas to use me in what I'm doing now. Yeah. Prepared you for something you didn't know you were going to do. I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. So you graduate from high school mm -hmm. and... What was next? Yeah, so graduated from high school. Surprisingly, the first thing out of there pretty soon after that was marriage. Uh, surprisingly, I met my wife at uh, Votech. Uh, we both went for what's, what was called data processing at the time. Uh, and so that's before I even was called information technology. So I had, I had a heart for technology because basketball was gone. So I was seeking the Lord, so what next? And technology piqued my interest. It turns out she's um, in a private school on the south side. I'm in public school, right? Uh, I'm on the south side too, but uh, different schools. But we both end up in our senior year at this school. And uh, so we met. We didn't like each other 
early on, uh, mainly because I was who I was. I, I was kind of focused on myself. I was absorbed. I wasn't looking around. And uh, she could tell that. <laughs> and, and, but the Lord worked it to where he brought us together. We, we started dating in our senior year. And then we ended up getting married early. I don't recommend that to everyone. I don't recommend it to my own children uh, necessarily, unless that's really what God would have them to do. But the amazing thing about God is, and it's just astonishing, we, got, we, we were married. And Lord blessed my wife and I to earn a bachelor's degree and our master's degree, both of us, while rearing three children. It is not for the faint of heart. Uh, and it, <laughs> Except for the grace of God, there's no way that could happen. You've said how much your life has been about surrendering mm -hmm. uh, to Christ, which is the best way to follow Christ, surrender to his will and follow him. Mm -hmm. And you've clearly done that. But somewhere along the way, there was something inside of you. I don't know if it was modeled by others around you, your parents or other adults. There's a strong work ethic mm. that sent you to the library, mm -hmm. that made you want to improve your basketball, mm -hmm. that sent you to the basketball court, mm -hmm. that found you getting a, your, your degree from college, getting a master's degree. Mm -hmm. Where'd that come from? Wow. I'm thinking the roots of it uh, probably from my dad. Uh, well, if I were to think about, you know, someone who was the most influential in my life, I'd tell you that was my dad. Okay. Um, my da so I'll, I'll tell you something, first of all, that might surprise you. My dad never said to me, Mark, I love you. Mm. He was not that kind of man. But he was an amazing man in that he was very um, committed to providing for his family and also protecting his family. <laughs> So he had those qualities, and his work, his work ethic was just beyond belief. He would work multiple jobs, when I say provide for his family, whatever he had to do to provide for his family, he, as long as it was legal <laughs> you know, and above board, he would do it. So there were times my dad would have three different jobs. He worked during the week, a couple jobs, but he'd also work during the weekend. So he, we, we didn't, I didn't have a whole lot of time with him, except when he would take me to work with him. There were some jobs he, he could do uh, that I could actually go help him do. Mm. And so he would take me with him. So, you know, I look back on it and I realize, you know, he really had a major impact on my life. So I saw him apply himself. I saw him go all out in whatever uh, he was responsible for. And I have a feeling <laughs> that ended up resonating with me and still affects me to, to this day, that work ethic. Yeah, that's quite a gift. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I think I would say my situation is similar, that I watched my dad pursue wow. what he loved mm -hmm. uh, and at times pursue something that, you know, was the right thing to do. It may not have been enjoyable, but it was mm -hmm. the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I, I learned early that if you want to accomplish something, it does take some effort. Mm -hmm. It takes some mm -hmm. time. So I'm assuming you're in your 20s with a master's degree, you're married with children, and it, where did this phenomenal career path you've been on, where did that start? It started um, with a person who made a statement to me that I laughed at. So I was working for the Department of Human Services. I was able to get into the door pretty much at an entry-level position. Uh, I had studied, you know, that senior year information technology. That's what we call it now. And there was an opening in the data services division. 
And so I apply for it. And so while I'm doing the other, the education, you know, and having children, I'm working at the Department of Human Services in their data processing or information technology division, entry level. I moved up one step. And when I moved up one step as a computer operator, there was this one gentleman who had been there longer than I was. His name was Jan. And uh, he, I, he had a higher position than I, I did as well. So he said something to me that at the time, I, like I mentioned, I laughed at. He said, you know, one day you're going to oversee this place. He called it, you're going to run this place. But really what he was saying is, one day you're going to be the boss. I laughed. I'm like, do you realize I'm in the entry-level position here? <laughs> I just got here. And so he's saying, I'm the, so I didn't, I didn't see it. You asked me earlier, when did I see it? I didn't see it then. It was a joke to me. Fast forward, I did end up becoming the division administrator. Of, so I was over 200-plus people over time. And uh, that was God speaking through him, and I didn't even know it. It wasn't even anything I aspired to do. Now, eventually, God placed it on my heart and helped me see I could help the division by being in that role. And that's, what, that's really what uh, I, I have noticed, is that God gives me a heart for things, and then he puts me in a position to help. And that's the combination I've seen over and over in my life. It's not about positions. It's not about roles. It's really not about where I am, you know. And it's really not about me. It, it's, it's about God giving me a heart for things. And then if I listen to him and allow that, that heart, you know, uh, to, to, to really resonate, his heart, mm. he puts me in, in a role, whether that's a position, whether that's uh, connecting with people, he puts me in those situations where I can be of help and uh, then I can trust him and his power and presence to do what he would have me to do. When you were given that job, yeah. was, um, I'm not sure what the title was when you took that job, your head of a division or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, was there more coming down the pike? Was there? <laughs> I mean, I guess I, a lot maybe more. I know there was. <laughs> I, I, and so maybe I ought to rephrase that. But. Yeah. So you find yourself as a young man with uh, opportunities uh, you didn't see coming, but yet God wasn't finished yet. What happened next? He was not finished. It, uh, it was just amazing. It was as if I look back now and realize God was only starting. Uh, at, at the time, if I had finished with the Department of Human Services as the division administrator, that was my title, uh, over 200 plus people, most people would have looked at that and said, wow, that's a successful career. I would have looked at it and said, wow, that was successful. I didn't even aspire to be that. No, but God wasn't finished. So he, uh, shortly after that, about a year or so uh, after that, a year and a half after that, um, God decided he was going to have me as chief information officer. So at that point, I was not only over the division, uh, I was over everything for information technology for the Department of Human Services, which is the largest agency in Oklahoma. So we had, we, and all, we had locations in all 77 counties. And so the Lord <laughs> put me in a, in a position to, to uh, oversee that uh, and to really lead that group uh, strategically into the future. And that's what our CEO wanted to have done. And he, he chose me to be that person. I want to go back to my heart, though. My heart was not so much to be the leader of all of this information technology 
strategy. My heart for being with Department of Human Services was I want to help people. That's the reason I joined the agency. I didn't, I mean, I like IT, but it was really about helping people. That role gave me the opportunity to have more responsibility and more influence on ultimately helping the people that needed the services of DHS. But God wasn't finished. So I'm thinking, Chief Information Officer, I'm over all of this. So then about five years later, uh, the Lord decides to <laughs> place me in a position. And I say that because I didn't aspire for it. Uh, he decided to place me in a, a Chief Operating Officer position. So in that role, I had over 4,000 employees that reported up to me uh, in the largest agency of the state. And uh, on the front side of the agency's business, meaning to help people, where we're touching people's lives. And the funny story about that is, it wasn't, neither of those would have been positions I would have necessarily applied for. Two quick uh, stories on it. One is, when, when the division administrator was being posted, I didn't really see myself as, as the person they would select for that. But I was encouraged, uh, at least put your application in. Let them look at you. Let them interview you. And so if it wasn't for that encouragement, I wouldn't even have applied. When I tell you I didn't see it, I didn't see it in the chief operating officer. I wasn't, uh, we were asked as the leaders of DHS and all of the leaders at this time, the top leaders at DHS, they were Christians. They were followers of Christ. A lot of people don't know that, but it was an amazing. I was already at the C-level as a chief information officer. So the CEO said, um, the director of the agency said, be in prayer. Because our, our chief operating officer had said she's going to retire, gave us some time to seek a replacement. So we're all in prayer. Interesting thing is, I'm praying, Marty. He asked us to pray, so we're all praying. I'm praying, and, and on one of those occasions, the Lord is saying, maybe it's you. When I'm praying, and I tell my wife this, I'm like, honey, uh, I heard something and felt something a little strange praying um, that maybe it might be a situation that I need to step into. And she thought I was crazy because she I was close enough to the role to know the headaches of the role. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's like, she, she said, if that's what God says, but I'm not encouraging you to do that, I still didn't apply. But then... The sitting chief operating officer emailed me and said, Mark, I need to talk to you tomorrow morning. So I had an office over in the main, main uh, building. And so we met. She came in and she told me, look, I was praying. I'm telling you, baby. She said, I was praying, Mark. And God showed me that it's you. Wow. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so that was confirmation. Uh, for me, I took it as confirmation. So I went ahead and applied. Uh, and, and I didn't hear anything. They were interviewing people. So I thought they were going to select someone else. In fact, we thought, some of us thought they were going to select someone from out of state. Mm. And then they've called me in for another interview. And so I think it was second or third interview. They said to me, you know what? You're it. We're gonna, we're gonna, you're going to be the chief operating officer. Again, I didn't really aspire to that myself. <laughs> if it wasn't for God placing it on my heart to even consider it. And if he wouldn't have confirmed it with the person sitting in the position that was about to retire, I wouldn't even have submitted my application. That's an amazing, <laughs> that's an amazing journey. You are now the chief operating officer of DHS, Department of Human Services. How long did that last? Where did it go? Where did it take you? 
were there, what were the surprises in that venture? Well, one of the things that surprised me early on is uh, the receptiveness of the staff, the team, because they could have interpreted me as an outsider. I mean, yes, I had been at the chief level as an information technology person. And yes, I had been involved with them to help them um, realize the benefits of technology for the purposes of serving those who, who need, the citizens who needed our help. So they knew me in that role, but they didn't know me as being an overseer reporting to me. And so I was really surprised that um, they were not alienated uh, because there were people who would have been coming up a track uh, that the track would have been, you know, the end of it would have been chief operating officer. So, but what's amazing is I really didn't end up getting that type of um, negative conversation, negative behavior. It's like the team just rallied around for the sake of the children and families that we were serving. And so that was the big surprise to me. I was kind of expecting, wow, are they going to be receptive of me? And they were just wholly receptive. Hmm. Um, and the other thing that surprised me is just how God worked through the team to really uh, cause some amazing things to happen within the agency. When we, I, I don't want to give you a whole lot of numbers, but I, I remember uh, that first year I was chief operating officer particularly in child welfare, we had 12,222 children in out-of-home care. So they were in the custody of DHS. And, that, and so when, when we rolled forward, I was in that role for five years, when we rolled forward through that, through that period, there was a time when we had uh, reduced the number of children in out-of-home care down to roughly 8,000. That's astounding. Yeah, it's, it's really is astounding. And we had the, and I say we because the team did this. I mean, well, I was just working along with them. We were in a position where we were experiencing record adoptions year after year. We were breaking our own record multiple years in a row, which contributed to the children moving from custody of DHS to families. One of the things that really encouraged us is just the way uh, the church stepped up. We started a 111 project. And uh, in that 111 project, we engaged churches uh, and the people who were attending churches to consider foster care and also to consider adopting. And a lot of times our foster care parents would end up being adoptive parents. And that's where we were getting a lot of our response and a lot of our record numbers in adoption is those who had gotten into caring for the children through foster care and making a connection with those children and then resulted in adoption. So that was huge. We, 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 we hit some other records in, in our families where we got uh, recognized nationally. So that surprised me because I didn't see that coming. The uh, children in out-of-home care had been going up uh, year after year. It was getting worse. And for us to come in uh, and for the Lord to work like he did to reduce the number of children in out-of-home care over those number of years was surprising to me. How long were you in that position at Department of Human Services? I was in the position for five years. And then what? And then I left the Department of Human Services. And upon leaving the Department of Human Services, a couple of things happened. So uh, the people who had worked with us to start the 111 project, uh, Strata Leadership, uh, were, were, were 
they were involved in us rolling that out and developing it. Um, their, their CEO reached out to me and once he heard I was leaving DHS and asked if I would work with him in a consulting capacity uh, with Strata Leadership. So I did that. I did uh, training of leaders and coaching of leaders through Strata Leadership just after leaving the Department of Human Services. And then while I was doing that with them, again, God surprises you. I get a call that uh, someone had given my name to Northrop Grumman. So I hadn't applied, but someone had made Northrop Grumman aware of me and they contacted me and said, would I be interested in talking to them? And so I, I said, sure, we'll talk. So we talked and they made me an offer to come work for them in their health solutions area. And so I worked with Northrop Grumman uh, for a little over four years. Uh, and then um, I, for whatever reason, I didn't even know Crossings had <laughs> an opportunity available. I, I heard from uh, some people at Crossings that we have an opening as a clinic executive director. And I didn't even, we had, we had lunch. It was kind of funny. It was uh, a couple of people who I admire, I respect that are part of the Crossings family. And I knew from other roles. One I knew when I was in my chief operating officer role. The other I knew when I was in the chief uh, information officer role. And so uh, they just wanted to have lunch. So we went, to, we went to lunch. I thought we were just catching up. I really did. And so I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I came back uh, you know, and said, wow, this is an awesome catch up with you guys. It's been a few years. But then they were the ones who said, we have, we have a, a, a position that's open. We just want you to pray about it. That's how we left it. We pray. So, and I said, I'm going to pray about it. And, you know, I want you to just uh, appreciate this. If I had not told them uh, that I would pray about it, I probably wouldn't have prayed about it. Okay. But because I told them I was going to pray about it, I felt like I needed to keep my word. So I prayed about it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just a whole truth. So I prayed about it. And I was like, oh, so I was like, I started praying about it. And, and, and God started showing me, you know, this is, I want you to consider this. This is, this is where I want you. You weren't looking for it. Remember, I told you, he, kept, he keeps surprising me. Uh, and so I, I, I received peace about it. I told my wife, I was like, honey, uh, I wasn't looking for this. I didn't even know it was out there, but I'm hearing God say, this is where I want you. And she said, she prayed with me and said, I'm with you. I, I hear you. I'm hearing the same thing. I don't know what God has in store. And she told me just this past week, this is funny. She said, I'm going to tell you when you, I didn't even know this. Okay. She told me, when you told me you were going to cross as a, as a, a clinic executive director, I had my doubts. <laughs> that's what she told She said, I wonder if because that's going to be things you have to learn. You haven't been there. You got to learn about the church. You got to learn about the clinic. You haven't been in that exact role before. She just told me that. She said, I have my doubts, but God delivered. Well, at this point, I, I tend to want to say to you, quit praying about other things. Because <laughs> <It's just, laughs> I, 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 I'd like to have you, you know, at crossings uh, for, for the rest of your life. Thank you. So don't pray about anything else. <laughs> Let, let's just stop the praying about what else. <laughs> just somebody, somebody wants you to look at something. Just don't. You know? so. Well, I have learned that uh, before I say I will pray about it, so to your point, uh, I want to make sure I pause and uh, don't say it, and then maybe I won't pray about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Think of how many times 
I said, I'll pray about it, and I did, and then I wish I hadn't. <laughs> you, you get the answer you didn't want, kind of, you know? Yes. You feel reluctant, or yeah. you feel, in, you know, you don't feel qualified, or whatever it may be. I that, can relate. That makes us feel like we, we don't want to go down that path. Yes. But when God wants to take you down a path, we've, I mean, I'm sure we both learned, you just better follow him, because the alternative is not good. Yes. You know, you're, if you're not in his will, uh, life gets messy, I think. And, and I think we certainly learned that. There's another uh, place God used you, though, and that was in the local church. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've had quite a ministry in the local church. And so I'd like to hear more about that. Mm-hmm. You pastored. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a great preacher. We know that. But somewhere in all of this, you still had a heart and a passion for what God could do in the local church. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know more about that. Yeah, so, you know, growing up in the local church, I think that passion developed. Even though I wasn't all that I needed to be, uh, I saw the value of it. And even as that teenager I told you about, I'm attending church, even though I haven't really uh, become that true follower of Christ. I was around people who were in the church. People were speaking into my life. My, my older sister my Sunday school teacher when I was a youth. So I had a lot being poured into me that I think contributed to that. And I told you about being self-absorbed. That was the other thing is that uh, upon becoming the follower of Christ, uh, that I aspire still to be, uh, it, it really did shift me from that to, to become a person that's really about other people. So that's where that transition happened. I'm still growing in that area, but it's so much about, for me, it's so much about others now, really because of, of the influence of Christ and people pouring into me and praying for me. Um, surprisingly, when, you th- when I think about who I was, uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but I was the type of person that was um, uh, in the background type of person. I didn't like being up in front of people. I'm not that crazy about it now, surprisingly. Um, Neither am I. Okay, <laughs> good. I'm in good company. <laughs> Yes. So I would have been just fine being in the back. I I was serving at church, being there. I would have been just fine being in the background, being behind the scenes. It's really a surrender to God that uh, I became a Sunday school teacher uh, in my church that I grew up in, the Baptist church. I I agreed to teach the young adults, and the Lord moved in just a, a, a mighty way there. And then they ended up asking me, uh, to be on trial for a de- to be- become a deacon of the church, a leader in the church. And uh, I said, okay, I will. Now, at that time, God was calling me to preach. And I knew he was calling me to preach, but I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to be that guy because I didn't see myself as being able to do that and being worthy of doing that. Now, that's my mistake to be looking at me. I call it the Moses moment. Right? I have, I've had plenty of Moses moments in that I'm looking at me and my limitations instead of looking at God and his capability. So I, I, I said, okay, yes, I'll be on track. So I went through the deacon study, and they were going, going to, they were, uh, had scheduled to ordain me for deacon. And the Lord just convicted me and said, because uh, I wanted to go ahead and be deacon to see if that would relieve me of God's call in my life as a preacher. It's a true story. And so God convicted me and said, this is not what I'm calling you to do. And so I went and told my pastor, I said, Pastor, I appreciate you guys wanting to ordain me as a deacon, but I'm being called to preach. 
And my pastor was all over it. And he said, okay. So he invested in me, led me, uh, very supportive. He allowed me uh, to deliver, his, deliver the word on Sunday. I ended up, uh, due to the blessings of the Lord, I ended up becoming the co-pastor with this pastor of the church I grew up in. And again, God just, and I didn't inspire to that. Like, yeah, God, God just surprised, he just, the surrender just continued to surprise me. So I ended up uh, becoming co-pastor there, but then the Lord placed on my heart, again, hard for people, really getting out to where people were and, and helping them. So I wanted to help people. So the Lord blessed to get, give me that opportunity to lead a ministry that was feeding people, that was providing uh, computer uh, training uh, to youth. And so, I, and it was small. So that's one of the things about it is God gave me uh, the opportunity to serve in really small min ministries. I look back on it and say, and realize now he was developing me. I felt like uh, at, at some points I had this temptation, I'm doing all of this and I'm in an obscurity. Nobody sees this. Nobody cares. We're small potatoes. I did. I had that feeling. I'm like, Lord, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> um, but I also realized that uh, because I had surrendered to him, it didn't matter if it was a thousand people or ten. I was to be faithful to him. And that's the word I kept getting from the Lord. You, you be faithful. So I said, okay, okay, Lord, we're going to do what you want us to do. So that's really what happened is, is that I wanted to help people because of how much Jesus had helped me in delivering me from the penalty of sin and also helping me become who he wanted me to be. And I wanted to share that with others and just be there for the Lord to make sure others came to that same realization. That's a remarkable journey you've been on. And so I'm certainly glad. I'm very thankful that God sent you our direction and touched your heart on that. So you've now been with us four years. Um, give us a, take us on a quick journey of the clinic and the community center, what you thought it would be, what it, what it is, if it's different, where it's headed. Uh, there, there have been some surprises, I'm sure. I'm just curious. <laughs> it is, yeah. So coming into it, not really knowing what to expect. Uh, so just open to, Lord, what do you want to have us to do? Uh, it's, it's been a really good, great experience, not just good. It's been a great experience, just the people who are serving there that I've been able to connect with and minister with. So that's the staff, but also a number of volunteers. It's just amazing. Uh, a lot of them are the Crossings family. Uh, and, and so one of the things that really encourages me is the heart that's there. First, with the clinic. So the first year, I was executive director of the clinic. And so the community center reported to the pastor of missions. The next year, the community center came under me as executive director. So this is just the progress you're talking about. And so we, we've been working on how to integrate more tightly uh, the programs in the community center and things we do there with what we're offering to the clinic and make sure that those who are in either one are taking advantage of the ministries we have in the other. Um, you asked me, you know, kind of what surprised me about it. I, what surprised me about it, I should have realized it, is just how much Crossings cares about people outside of the Crossings family. 
That's the best way I can put it. Um, because I've been exposed to multiple churches uh, and in multiple denominations even. Uh, and one of the things that really pulled at my heart <laughs> is um, to make sure we're not just internally focused. That was one of the reasons that, that God moved me from where I was co-pastor because uh, it, was, it was internally focused. I, I wasn't making uh, complaints or anything, but God was showing me and, and sharing with me, um, we need to be really uh, touching people, meeting people where they are and, and meeting their needs. Uh, and I saw, I, I've seen it uh, in, in other places to where it can be turned inside so much as opposed to being more externally focused and meeting people where they are and meeting their needs. So to me, to live it with crossings was the biggest surprise. I had never lived it, particularly on the scale we do it on, uh, in an experience like I've experienced here at Crossings. And, and it just resonates with me. It's my heart. Uh, that's one of the things my wife and I said before we came here. Once we really start looking at Crossings, what you stood for, how... One of the things you say quite a bit is how you focus on the things that we're sure of. Uh, you know, you focus on those things that, you know, undeniable. And, and those things that are, are, that you know, they're different perspectives and things on that, that won't keep you out of heaven. You don't focus on those things that divide us. And when, when we read that, uh, we were uh, really looking at crossings and got experience with it. We said, man, that is so much us. Uh, we just felt like we were at home. I still do. I'm certainly glad you do. Yeah. I love to call Doris. I think Doris, fabulous young blood. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, I, I, I just know that you and I have a similar experience. God blessed us. Yes. God blessed both of us. Yes. With fabulous yes. wives who, um, who we don't deserve. Yes. <laughs> but boy, am I glad I got Kim and I know how you feel about Doris. Yes. The, the role she's played in your journey. I'm very so, thrilled. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, she's just delightful. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, I know your daughter, and I don't know all of your kids, right. but I, I know one of them, and, yeah. and she's also fabulous, she you know. So I just want to, th I thank you for saying yes to the Lord. I'm so thankful that day you knelt and prayed, mm. remove anything that would keep me from being where God wants me. Mm -hmm. um, God knew then this whole story. Mm -hmm. He and, did. You know, he knew the whole mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. and uh, But it, it does take a step of faith. It takes a moment where you say, all right, God, if you're in this, then I will follow you. Mm -hmm. If you want me to follow you, then let's, let's get rid of anything that hinders that. Mm -hmm. And God answered your prayer and still is answering your He's prayer. He's still doing it. Isn't and I'm sure thankful we were one of the stops in the journey. Yes. So I really appreciate you, what you're doing uh, clearly at the clinic community center, but also what you bring to the church, our leadership team, you know, sitting at the executive leadership team with you since you arrived um, has just been so helpful to us. And I know God sent you here to do the clinic and the community center, but he also sent you here as we've seen that unfold to sit in the seat that helps guide the church. Mm. And, uh, I cannot begin to tell you how much that has meant to me, and I can see how much it continues to mean to our church family. And so I'm very thankful that uh, the Lord tapped you on the shoulder for our clinic and community center. But God, again, had 
more things in mind mm -hmm. than any of us could have imagined. Mm -hmm. And so now we not only benefit from your experience in business and leading large organizations, but we also now benefit from your teaching and your preaching mm -hmm. because you are a phenomenal preacher. Oh, thank you. We, I don't, know, I don't, know, that, I don't <laughs> know that we knew that uh, when you came along. I, think, I knew you'd been in ministry, uh, and I think I knew you probably had served as a pastor, co-pastor and all that. But boy, what we didn't really know initially or see initially was this incredible gift you have in communicating through mm -hmm. preaching. And so that was just an added bonus to us. And um, it's, just, uh, it's just a moment where having this time to talk to you, it, it reminds me just how fortunate we are, how blessed we are to have you a part of this church family. And I mean that sincerely. Well, the feeling is mutual. And I will just say to you, uh, thank you for all of the opportunities I've had here, the privilege of being part of the Crossens family the various responsibilities that I have had and, and currently have. Uh, also, you probably are not aware of this, but, uh, and I'll just say it this way, the Crossings family and you are part of the surprise. You know, I surrender to God, but uh, you, you have surprised me. The church has surprised me as well. When I came here, I mean, I did not fathom ever speaking at Crossings. I never told you this. I never, I never, that was one of the things that, uh, I'm saying this on camera, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. One of the things, one of the struggles I had, the thing, one of the hesitations I had that I had to pray through is, Lord, I, I'm pretty much um, preaching. At that time, I was preaching every Sunday. And I know you call me to be a preacher. And so you want me to go to Crossings to be the executive director? That's such a big place. <laughs> um, and if my call is preaching, why am I going to Crossings? And how will I ever be able to exercise this gift? Because I didn't see myself preaching here. I don't want you to know that. I didn't. I, I was looking at it, it's like, there's no way. And, and why? I mean, that may not be appropriate. <laughs> we don't, may not want that on video. But, <laughs> but I, I'm, I guess I'm intrigued by that to say, why was there a reason you thought God would probably not use that gift at Crossings. Well, and, and, yeah, that, and it's all about me. I realize now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I'm looking at myself. Again, it's a Moses moment. I'm like, with the caliber of people that, that they have at Crossings, first of all, and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting in front of me, the senior pastor, and then you have all of these other pastors that are there with deep roots, love God, serving God. And so I'm looking at it saying, how in the world am I going to even measure up? I'm not being overly humble. I'm just saying, when, I, when God called me to preach, one of my hesitations about preaching was, Lord, you got a lot better people than this guy. And I'm not being overly humble. I, he does. So it wasn't about me wanting to preach because I was fine, remember, in the background. If you just let me support somebody, I would be just thrilled. Today, I would still be thrilled. But God is the one who saw fit for me to preach his word, to teach his word. And I yield to him and give all glory to him for it. And so that's what, what my hesitation was, is that, okay, that's not going to happen in crossing. So how will, how, will I, how will I exercise this gift? I know clearly this is your call on my life, Lord. And if I'm going there... How does that happen? And the Lord didn't answer that question. What, he, what I got in my spirit in praying about it is, 
the Lord just said, let me handle that. That's, that's the word I got. And that's the word I shared with my wife is, if it's for me to ever preach again, God's going to handle it. So when you ask me to preach here, I can't tell you that first time when you asked me to preach here, I can't tell you how amazed I was. I don't know if, you, if it came off in my first little expression. I'm like, he's asking me to preach at Crossings. I was like, inside, I'm like, what? <laughs> that was a no-brainer. And I, I, I think, and I didn't know. I'm, again, I knew you had been a co-pastor. I'm, I knew you had done some preaching at some level. Uh, but we were kind of focused on that resume part of the, the running large organizations and understanding the nature of the health uh, world and healthcare and, and uh, certainly DHS. But somewhere in there, I heard you speak and I thought, my stars, this, this man has got truly a gift for, for speaking and preaching. So I don't remember when it, when it was, but I knew soon after that, it's like we've, we've, the church needs to hear Mark. Wow. speak. And I still believe that. We're wow. still doing it. So anyway, I'm very, well, I'm very grateful. Thank you. And I don't take that for granted. I know it's huge uh, for you as senior pastor um, and, the, and who preaches and who teaches here. So I am just totally honored and humbled that uh, I'm part of that equation. Mark, I really appreciate uh, this time with you. Um, and I'm very thankful God sent you to Crossings. And I'm, I'm just grateful that you listen to God's call and uh, you are having a profound impact on our church, wow. certainly in our community, through the community center and the clinic, but even through the entire church, every piece of fabric of the church you have influence over. And I'm just very thankful for that. So thanks for sharing your story today. And uh, I know this is going to be something that will uh, bless and thrill a lot of people when they get to hear this. Well, thank you, and I thank God. 